Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today we are continuing our series, Kingdom Come. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher and Pastor Brian Owens with this week's Well, we are wrapping up uh, a series that we've been in all summer long called Kingdom Come. We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. Looking at these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 and asking the question, what does it look like to live in God's world God's way? How, how are we supposed to live that way, the way Jesus said? And so today Jesus is wrapping up his entire teaching, his entire Sermon on the Mount at the end of Matthew chapter 7. And what we discover is he comes back to the same theme that he's been hitting on the whole time. I'll tell you what, let's open our Bibles. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 7, the very last passage. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. The scripture is going to be on the screen uh, behind us. Also, if you have a uh, smartphone or a tablet with you, there's an app called Uversion. It's the Bible app. Uh, if you download that or if you have that, you can click inside the app. There's a little link to uh, live And you can find all the notes uh, there if you search for the word vertical. Uh, Search for vertical, notes, scripture, a place to take notes and email them to yourself. That's all right there. So, tell you what, hopefully uh, you have, if you have a Bible, you've got to turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start reading in verse 24, and then we're going to stop at 27. So we have uh, four verses this morning. Here we go. Here's how Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who, does, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. From the very beginning, Jesus has been hitting on one central theme, obedience. True obedience. And here he picks it up again at the very end of his Sermon on the Mount with asking the question, are you going to be obedient to the words of Jesus? He talked about it in the Beatitudes. Blessed are you. And he gave all sorts of illustrations. And the question is, are you going to be obedient to the Beatitudes? He talked about anger and murder. He talked about lust and lies and your yes be yes and no be no. He talked about forgiveness and giving and manipulation and judging, all posing the same question, will you be obedient to the words of Jesus? And what Jesus ends up telling us is that doing what Jesus says or not doing it, putting it into practice, this is what makes the difference between a house that stands in the middle of a storm and a house that falls with a great crash. Now, everybody in this room has been through a storm, right? We would would be lying if we said we didn't struggle. We all struggle, so that's everybody. The question is, what's at the foundation? According to Jesus, he and his teaching is the rock that we build upon. This is the rock that we build our faith upon, that we build our house upon. And the reality is, if we're only building our lives 
on hearing Jesus' teaching, our house is going to fall. Because he says, those who hear my words and don't put them into practice, they're foolish. And so Jesus says, basically, we have a choice to make. We all have a choose, choose between being wise and being foolish, building on the rock or building on the sand. And it's all about how we respond to Jesus. So the real question is, what sort of house are we building? And matter of fact, that's the question we want to ask today. Excuse me. Today about our church. What kind of house are we building here? Are we doing Jesus' words or are we only entertaining his words? And so here's what we're going to do today. We're asking the question, what is the foundation of vertical church? This summer, our missional leadership team uh, took some time to talk about core values and membership and what does it mean to really get it at vertical church what does it mean to be vertical church and so we're calling these statements and there's six of them and we're going to use this passage in Matthew to kind of jump from to use as a kind of a launching pad into this idea of what kind of house are we building here at vertical church you're probably going to want to take notes you're probably going to want to write these down because this is who we are and so these statements, we believe, really capture the heart of Vertical Church. First off is, we at Vertical Church, we never outgrow Jesus. As Pastor Josh said a few minutes ago, Jesus is our rock and our foundation. And so if he's our foundation, how can a house outgrow its foundation? Because he is the, the, the support and everything else that we need, we never outgrow him. All of our theology, you know, theology is just how we understand God. All of that is seen through the lens of Jesus Christ. And so everything we believe, every little bit of our doctrine, all those kinds of things, all spring from knowing God through his son, Jesus. He's our MVP. For all you football people or sports people, he's our MVP. He's also our VIP. He's the most important person. He's the reason we exist, the goal we aim for, and the very explanation of why we live our life the way that we do. Jesus is our core. He is the perfect and complete example of how we live our lives. Everything we do, everything we do, should directly reflect this core belief. It's all, always, and only about Jesus. We can't outgrow him because he set the bar so high. Are you following me? He lived a perfect life. Now, we realize we can never live a perfect life. Nobody's asking for that. Nobody's asking for anybody to be perfect. But because he set the bar so high, we are constantly striving for that. It doesn't give us any kind of excuse not to go after being like Jesus in every way we possibly can. But he set the bar so high, we can never outgrow him. But we can't stop striving either. We are in a constant process of growth and change. Now, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay not okay. Amen. You get it? Amen. It's called discipleship. We grow. We cannot grow Jesus, but we still have to grow. It's okay to not be okay. We're all messed up. We admit we're not perfect. But we at Vertical Church, we refuse to stay that way. We refuse to stay in our misery, in our pattern of sin and guilt. Now, this is, this is kind of a theological thing, and so some of you are going to catch this right away, but I'll go back and explain it in a second. Jesus is our Savior. He's our sanctifier. He's our spirit baptizer, our healer, 
and our coming king. In other words, Jesus accomplished what he accomplished on this earth makes everything that I just mentioned possible. Makes our salvation possible. Makes our healing possible. Makes our sanctification possible. And our baptism in the Holy Spirit. All of that is possible because of Jesus Christ. As our spirit baptizer, we believe in that we are to live the spirit-filled life. Are you following me? The spirit-filled life. In other words, we are to live a life separated from the world. We're a part of the world, but we're different. We're different. Our reverence and holiness towards God is different. It's a natural expression of our faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, we at Vertical Church, we believe we're supposed to actually live like we've been transformed. People around us should know pretty easily we're Christ followers. If you're around someone and they don't know that you're a follower of Jesus, you might need to stop and evaluate what's going on. People should know that you are a follower of Jesus. We also believe in the gifts of the Spirit as laid out in Scripture and manifest through church history. The history of the church talks about the gifts of the Spirit. But again, our perfect example is Jesus Christ. The early church in Acts modeled the gifts of the Spirit after the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus modeled it all for us. His life was perfect. We strive to be perfect. We mess up. I mess up. Do you mess up? I mess up. I messed up this week. <laughs> I'm not we strive to be perfect, but we can never outgrow or outdo Jesus. And not only can we never outgrow Jesus, um, but also in, in living like Jesus... We seek here, and this is our second core value statement, um, we, don't, we believe you can't do life alone. Right. Jesus doesn't do life alone. Uh, matter of fact, uh, in one way, he's, kind of, he's the perfect example of this in several ways. In one way, he's God. And being God, that means he, he has this perfect relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And it's a, you know, if you're not familiar with church, that's what we call the Trinity. And God exists in this perfect relationship. But not only that, if we just look at the Gospels, one of the first things Jesus does is he begins pulling people around him. He calls what we call the 12 disciples. He says, hey, why don't you follow me? And he says, I'm not going to live Alone, And the Gospels show us how he rounds up this group of 12 people to walk with him. And we know that there were more than that. There were multitudes that were always with him. And sure, he would go away to pray by himself. But when he lived life, he lived it with a bunch of people around him. <laughs> Think about it in the Sermon on the Mount. How often Jesus talks about right relationships. He talks about it when he says, do not be angry because you're actually murdering somebody. Don't hold lust in your heart because it's really adultery. Don't, um, don't you know, refuse to give to the poor because you are connected to everybody. Jesus says time and time again, don't live life alone. In the, in the Bible as a whole, the church, the, the representation of God's community on earth is oftentimes spoken of as a body. You know, you've got Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 and all these passages that talk about the church as a body. And this imagery points to the reality that we're all interconnected. You know what? It doesn't matter who you are and what you do. If you're part of the body, you're important. 
Example, have you ever stubbed your little toe? Man, that hurts, right? Every attention and every fiber of your being recognizes that you just hit your little toe. And how small is that, right? And so it doesn't matter how, what role you play, if you're part of the body, you're important. Now this is very different than the way a lot of churches think about church, a lot, the way a lot of people view church. A lot of people think church is this event that you attend on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings or Wednesday nights. But here at Vertical Church, church is not an event. Church is the people who gather together, who have been called by Jesus to show God's glory to the earth. And so that's the church. And when we gather together, we're experiencing his glory. We're experiencing his presence. That's why at Vertical Church, we don't call this a worship service. We call it a worship experience because what we're doing is we're coming together to experience something together. That's right. And so, um, you know, it's something that we do together. And, and in a church like ours, the, one of the best places to experience that community is in small groups. Uh, we actually have small groups launching next week, and we have catalogs available uh, in, in the, uh, ne- on the next steps table. You may have one now. I see some people have it open. It's a great way to get plugged in and get to know each other and live life together. In a church like ours, that's how we've decided to live out this value that we can't do life alone. Not only that, but but we can't overstate the importance of having a church family, being part of a church body. You know, I believe God wants us to be part of a spiritual family, to be connected to a family. I, I think that Christians who are not connected to a spiritual family are orphans. They don't have family around them. And that's why we are beginning the process of, if if you're from a church background, you might know this as church membership. What we're really saying is we want want to define our family. And so we've got on our calendar, and you notice in your uh, programs this morning, several dates coming up for our first round of first era in the history of Vertical Church, church membership. And I want to give you four reasons why I think you should sign up for our, our first, what it's called, experience. Uh, it's our first stage of, of church membership. Four reasons. First reason is this. I think it's biblical. Jesus was committed to the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 tells us that Christ loved the church and he gave his life for it. And I think there's a biblical reason. I think we should be committed to a church, to a body, to a family. And so that's one reason I think you should sign up. The second reason There's a cultural reason. In our culture, in our day, in our society, nobody wants to be committed to anything. Let's face it. Nobody wants to be committed to a job. Nobody wants to be committed to a marriage. Uh, Nobody wants to be committed to, to much of anything. And I believe that this attitude has permeated the church and created a whole generation of church shoppers and hoppers. People who go to this place for this service and this place to receive this and this place to receive. And I don't read that in the Bible. That's right. In the Bible, I read about a body that's joined together, that's mutually encouraging each other on to the greater and greater glory. And, and I, think you, I think there's a cultural reason because I believe commitment always produces growth in character. A third reason I think you should sign up is a practical reason. It, it defines who can be counted on. It, 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 today is, is the first Sunday of NFL season. Every team that's going to be playing today has a roster. They know who they can sub in and who they can't. 
They're not going to grab somebody out of the stands and put them on the field. It's, there's a practical reason. It de- determines who can be counted on. And finally, I think there's a fourth reason. I think there's a personal reason. I, I, I really do believe that committing to a church family produces spiritual growth. You know, the, the New Testament places this huge emphasis on the need for Christians to be accountable to each other for spiritual growth. And you can't be accountable when you're not committed to a family. Because if you're not committed to a family and somebody tries to call you on the carpet, what do you do? Leave. I'll just leave. I'll go somewhere else. Listen, this is, this is my... I believe wholeheartedly that we are pastors, that God has ordained us and commissioned us to shepherd a flock. That's right. And we can't be pastors if we try to call you on the carpet for something and hold you accountable and you walk out the door. That's right. And so I think there's a, there's a personal reason that spiritual growth happens when you are committed to accountability. And so I, 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 you know, I'm harping on that, I know. Anyway, uh, I believe everybody belongs, period. No matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, you belong because Jesus says you belong. And so here at Vertical Church, we believe you belong. And good deeds are good works. They've never saved anybody. Let's face it. What saves us is the grace of God. We're not better. We're not holier than thou. We're all humans with the same need of love and acceptance. And we found those in Jesus. And we want to help others find the same things also. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we say these things and we really believe them, but we also live them. We, we also live them. You know, we, we call each other on the mat all the time. Josh leveled me this week. That's the way it goes. That's what we're supposed to do. We're still a part of the same community. We're still a part of the same body. Our, our next core value is that saved people serve people. And this is part of you know, living life in community. We don't, we don't live life in obscurity. We live life together. And so if we're, if we're doing that, then we're also serving other people. Now, this is kind of obvious how this connects to Jesus. I mean, Jesus is it, pretty clear. Even if you only know a little bit about Jesus, you know what he did. You know what he gave. We follow Jesus' um, example of service. In other words, we come to serve, not to be served. We're not just con- consumers. We're producers. We serve others. Now, it's pretty clear Jesus got a raw deal. You know, he was in heaven, and he came to earth. Now, earth is beautiful and all. It's got some great places. It's got some kind of nasty places, too, but it's got some great places. He didn't say Portsmouth. I did. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. I'm not going to touch that one. I've a lot this week. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Jesus got a raw deal. He left heaven to come down here to earth. And all the trappings that come with it. But he also knew what was going to happen. He knew how he was going to be treated. And it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He did it because he came to serve. Now, I know that serving can be overwhelming at times. You know, man, you don't know how badly I've messed up, Pastor Brian. You don't know where I come from. You don't know how rotten I really was. You, you, you just don't understand. I am unworthy to serve others in the name of Jesus. Or you might say, I, I, I just don't have time. I, I just don't. Do you know my schedule? i got the kids. I've got soccer. I've got, I've got work. And I'm, I, I just don't have time, Pastor Ryan. I've got to leave that to the people. I'll give, I'll give my money, but I, I, can't, I can't give my time. Both of those reasons are what I call poppycock. 
<laughs> I've loved that word this week. Poppycock. If you are sitting here right now, you could be serving. There are people in this room right now who are serving. They're VIP hosts. They're prayer team members. They're members of our leadership teams. They're serving in media. They're serving in all kinds of ways. If you can sit here right now, you could be serving. And as far as the whole unworthy thing, guess what? Join the club. Join the club. We all are unworthy. And there's nothing we could ever do to make us worthy. So how do we get past that? How do we get past being unworthy? Well, you know, I was talking to a friend this week. And his name is Skip Novak. And as many of you know, his wife Susan had a stroke a couple weeks ago. And so they've been going through quite a bit. And I was talking to Skip. And he said, you know, I've heard all of this for so long. I've heard it, my friends have heard it, my family have heard it. The church does this in times of need. But I've never actually seen it until now. Because so many of us have stepped up to support this family in their time of need. And he's overwhelmed by the generosity and gratitude. And my response is, yeah, that's what we do. But it's not what we do because we're trying to accomplish anything. It's, it's what we do because it's who we are. It's not that we deserve to serve in Jesus' name. After all, we don't serve because we're worthy. This is your tweet moment. Get ready. We don't serve because we're worthy. We serve because Jesus is worthy. Amen. I, I don't have my phone on me. <laughs> I got mine. Somebody log in to my Twitter account and just hit that for me. Um, all, number four, if you're keeping up, we're on number four. Like I said, hopefully you're taking notes. If not... Um, this will be on our website. You can browse it and, and browse it and stuff. I don't know what parouse is. I don't like know if that's a Browse yeah. at the same time. <laughs> anyway, we hang around me long enough now. I make up all kinds of words. We call that a Joshua. Exactly. Uh, the number four is we believe God is writing a story. You know, my favorite parts of Scripture are the stories in Scripture. You know, in Genesis, Genesis has got so many great stories. You've got you've got Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob and the whole Joseph story, man, wow. that's that's powerful stuff. Exodus begins with some really great stories, and then you know we get into other really edifying parts of Scripture. Uh, it flows into Leviticus, and then Numbers comes around some more good stories, and Deuteronomy uh, has bits and pieces, and then you got Joshua and the Judges, and I love stories. I love the Gospels, the stories of Jesus. I love the book of Acts, the stories of the early church. And we believe that God is writing a story. And that's a story of hope and a story of redemption for the whole world. We believe it's a story that begins before creation, when God is hovering over the, over the waters of the deep. When he's hovering over nothingness. And we believe that it goes all the way into and beyond the new creation. When God sets up shop here and we live forever with him in his presence. That's right. We believe the story includes the Bible. And, and we believe that the Bible is the voices of those who have come before us. And have shared with us their, their, their God-inspired poems and stories and letters to each other. We believe that that's part of the story that God is writing. 
We also believe that things like theology and church history, they're all part of the story because this story is the, is the, is the relationship between God and his people. And that when you study that, you're studying the very personable God himself and how he relates to us. So things like theology and church history, we value those because they're part of God's story. But here's the part that I love the most. That story that he's writing, it includes your story. It includes God's activity in your life. This is why we, you oftentimes hear us say, hey, if God has done something for you, if God has performed a miracle in your life, tell us because we want to celebrate that with you because we believe that God is still writing, that God is is doing that. And, And we share, we call them testimonies, stories about God's power and his activity today in your life. I kind of think of it in a way as a, as a sort of fifth gospel. In other way, here's what Jesus is up to now. Here's what Jesus is doing now. You might want to call it Acts chapter 29. I don't care what you call it, but we see ourselves in this long line of generations upon generations who are taking part in this endless conversation between God and his people. And we have a chapter in that book. I have a friend, his name's Jonathan Martin. He pastors a church in Charlotte, North Carolina, called Renovatus. Now, you thought Vertical Church was a weird name. <laughs> How would you like to go to a church called Renovatus? You barely even pronounce it, right? They have this statement on their website, and it's part of their kind of core who they are. And I love it. I love it, love it, love it. I want to share this with you. They, they say it this way. We are your grandmother's church and your great-grandmother's church and your great-great-grandmother's church. In other words, it's another way of saying we embrace the church, past, present, and future. We embrace generations. We embrace cultures. We embrace classic spiritual disciplines that have been going on for ages. We embrace it all because we're all part of the church. We're a local representation of this community that has existed for thousands of years. And so here's what we do. We want to collect and tell your stories. We, we value what God is doing and we value the story that God is writing, both stories from the Bible and your stories, your testimonies. Because we want to celebrate and honor the people that God has chosen to use. We're kind of strange because we really do believe it. We don't just talk about it. And if, if you're looking for a church, um, guess what? You found one that actually believes that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. We believe it. We live it. And we understand that God gave first. That's our next core value. And we, we choose to live that out because our belief is so strong. We believe that giving is a response to God giving first. So we give because he first gave. We acknowledge that the entirety of all we have is already owned by God. It originated with him, and we function as stewards. It's our job to manage what God has given us. We are managers of his creation. Deuteronomy 8.18 reminds us that our ability to create wealth, our ability to work, to make money, to save money, whatever, all of that comes directly as a gift from God. 
It all starts with him. We believe that, and we believe that it's plainly written in the Bible that the tithe, the 10%, comes first. We are to give that to God, and if we don't give that back to God, we are stealing from him. Scripture's pretty clear about that. We've talked about it a lot. This isn't a guilt trip about tithing, but tithing is important. But we also should give offerings above and beyond our tithes willingly so that the name of Jesus, through those resources, can be proclaimed to those who haven't heard it. That is why we do it. It's also critical that the church do all it can to take care of the poor. Now, there's this big debate right now. I don't know how many of you realize this, but we're in a presidential election season. Have you figured that out? Yeah, I'm a political junkie, but I myself am tired of all the ads. We're in a swing state. It's going to get crazy. A lot is talked about, about the government's role in the poor and all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, we can't really talk about that if we don't do anything about it. You know, we can't talk about being pro-life if we don't do something about it. We can't talk about, about protecting and helping the poor if we don't do something about it. And so what we give to the poor is to help them and to um, show them the love of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, through the local church, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, we are given what we have so that we can be generous all the time. We are to be generous all the time so that God can be praised. Not so that we can be praised, not so that somebody can say, wow, you gave $5 to the church. No, so that the name of Jesus Christ can be praised. Because that money is used so that someone who is far from God finds life in Christ. That's why we do it. Again, what God gave us through Jesus Christ is the perfect example. After all, he gave selflessly and sacrificially and completely. And we should do the same thing. We should give to others in the name of Jesus. So to review real quick, kind of remind everybody, number one, we never outgrow Jesus. He is our foundation. He is our source. He is everything. Number two, you, you can't do life alone can't do life alone. Number three, saved people serve people. Number four, we believe God is writing a story. Number five, God gave first. You really you recognize a central subject. Most of these are about God and Jesus, right? Last one, this one's about you. Everyone is a missionary. That's right. Everyone is a missionary. Um, I I recently re reminded myself or remembered the quote. Have you heard this quote by uh, St. Francis of Assisi? It goes something like this. It's different words, but uh, preach the gospel at all times when necessary. Use words. Raise your hand if you've heard that before, right, somewhere along the way. Okay. Well, can I be honest with you? Uh, I've used that before, and most of the time when I use it, it's a cop-out mm -hmm. because I don't want to use words. That's right. And I discovered this week, as I started like researching this, we don't actually know that he said that. <laughs> we, for, from what we can tell, he didn't actually say those words. His words were something more like this. He, he said something closer to, it's no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. Mm. Now see, he's not saying don't use words. 
He's saying the words that you use, let's make sure you're living them out. That's right. But, but the way we've written it, it's like, well, you know, preach the gospel. And if you have to, if it's necessary, then actually talk. Here's what I've discovered about preaching the gospel. You have to talk. You have to use words. Yes, we're called to preach the gospel at all times. Absolutely, our lifestyle should be a great witness. But there are times that you have to open your mouth and share the story of Jesus. The mission of the church is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. This is what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 28 when he says, Go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them the things uh, to, to obey everything I've commanded you. This is, this is what a church is supposed to do. Isn't that the reason why a church gets started in the first place? Is to do that. Make disciples, right? And you can't make disciples. Here, here's what I've discovered. Your neighbor will watch you for their whole life and never change if you never talk to them. They'll admire your life. Oh, look at that. They're, what are they, I wonder where they're going this morning. They don't know. So it's essential that we live as missionaries in our cities, whether you're from Portsmouth. And by the way, if you're from Portsmouth, I love Portsmouth. Portsmouth is awesome. Uh, drove, to, drove through that beautiful you know, river, riverfront area. That's great. Um, anyway, Jesus came as a missionary to the earth. He was sent by God on a rescue mission for you and me. And so we're modeling the life Jesus lived by living as missionaries in our world, announcing God's grace and forgiveness to those we come in contact with. With our words, Romans 10, 14 says, How can they call on the, call on the one uh, they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they've, whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Right? Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. An ambassador is someone sent on the behalf of somebody else. And so words are absolutely necessary. You should be saying words. You should be telling people about Jesus and his grace and his power and his goodness and his love. We should be like Peter in the book of Acts. And he says, look, I can't help. I cannot help talking about what I've seen and what I've heard. I can't right. shut up about it. That's right. And so that, that, that's what we want our church to be like. That's why we give you invite cards. Uh, last week we gave you a little stack of invite cards. By the way, this week you're getting another stack of invite cards because next week... We're jumping into a series called The Comeback. And man, I'm, side note, I am, I am super pumped because I believe God's about, to, God's about to make somebody walk into a comeback season because Jesus Christ came back from the grave. There's That's nothing right. that can stop you, and I better stop now or I'm going to start preaching next week's sermon <laughs> this week. All that to say, make sure you invite people Next week, the comeback is going to be awesome. Anyway, but you can also do this without words. Absolutely, gospel-centered hospitality speaks volumes. Loving and serving our neighbors by something as simple as sharing a meal with them. You know, evangelism through barbecue. I don't know, whatever you want to do. Missionaries in other parts of the world use that. They do that. They just move into a neighborhood, invite their neighbors, come have a meal with them, and over the meal, they share Jesus. That's completely, it's awesome. Do that. You know, it doesn't have to look extraordinary. I'm always available to eat. (laughs) (laughs) 
they could be like Brian was saying earlier about the family that we have that we're stepping up to support. That act of service is is preaching volumes to the people around them. Right. Look, this is what a church is. But there are also times when words are spoken. And so we want you to know that you are commissioned this morning to be a missionary to Hampton Roads. If you feel like you need some kind of paperwork, we'll give you paperwork. You are commissioned as a missionary to your neighborhood, to your workplace, to your family, to your friends, to your cousin down the road. You can't get a job. And he stays in his mama's basement. You're commissioned to preach the gospel to them as though God were making his appeal through you. That's right. As soon as you accepted Jesus, you became a missionary. When you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to the mission to share and announce to the world what God looks like. So here's what we're going to do. Hope and the band are going to come back up and we're going to go back into worship. We're going to go back into a time of of reflecting and honoring God and then we're going to have communion together. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're going to take the the juice and the the bread and we're going to celebrate what Jesus is is and who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he promises to do for us. So let's do this. Let's all stand back up together. If you're able to stand back Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.